Good morning, church. So glad that you've joined us today. I've got some great news. God is here with us. Regardless of the circumstances, He is with us. And as we come together in worship, we're able to do this together. We're not in the same space, and a lot of us aren't even worshiping at the same time. Yet God's connected us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have His encouragement, His love, and His hope in our lives. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you today. And you know, we'd love to know that you're here with us. You can do that by clicking the link and checking in. Of course, you can use the Union Chapel app. It's available in your app store. And we thanks so much for doing that. Now, maybe you're one of the brand new people who are just checking us out for the first time. And I want to invite you to join us 6 p.m. on a Zoom call Monday night, tomorrow night. And it'll just be a way for you to discover more about us. You can, you can find out how you fit in with us. You can maybe get connected to a small group, even if that's something you want to do. And of course, you can find out what we believe and what we're about. And so we're just love, love, love to have you join us with that. Looking forward to that. Thank you for your generosity. Friends, we realize how uncertain these times are for everyone. And I want you to know that your participation with us allows us to continue the important work that God has called us to with local ministries like Blood and Fire and Muncie Mission. And your giving extends to all of our church plants that are all over the states and also to Ecuador and even to Kazakhstan. And you can access our secure online giving portal by going to the description and clicking the link right there. Of course, you can mail a check in as well. God is at work and we are a part of it together. Here's one of the things that we've discovered. We found that one of the best ways to deal with stress and challenge and worry is to help someone else. And what better way can we help anyone than through prayer? Especially in these circumstances when we're social distancing and keeping apart from one another because prayer is always the best thing you can do for somebody else. And so maybe maybe you would love some prayer, and so don't you dare hesitate to click that link right up there in the descriptions to ask for prayer, because you're helping us by allowing us to bless and encourage you. Here's what we found, church. When we pray, God's power moves through us, and as His power moves through us to you, to others, it blesses other people, it blesses us. And so the same power that changes other people changes us. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I can talk, I can pray, and that's all you need to be able to do. I want to challenge you just for this season to join our email prayer team. And again, there's a a link there in the description for you to do that. You can find the joy in praying and blessing other people and experience the blessing that God gives you in the midst of that. And speaking of prayer... We are joining with churches literally all over the world as we pray the same prayer in different languages, in different time zones, and in different places. And so this is called the Unite 714 Movement. As we pray this prayer together, we know that there's power in agreement that God moves in and through us when we pray with Him together. So let's join together in this prayer right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with your eyes open. And so as I speak and read these words, I want you to read and pray these words with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you and ask you to sustain us by your mercy, your grace, and your power. We continue to trust in your gracious promise that no weapon that is fashioned against us, our families, or our churches shall succeed. We take refuge under your protective wings. Your faithfulness is our shield. By your great strength, protect our hearts and minds from the grip of terror 
Empower us, O God, so that fear will not paralyze us or define our lives. Great multitudes are affected by this appalling pandemic, and so we lift them up before you in prayer. Heal those battling this disease and comfort those who have lost loved ones. We know you alone are our healer. As 2 Chronicles 7:14 urges us, we identify with the sins of our nation and ask for your forgiveness. Have mercy on us. Spare us from this pestilence. Cleanse us from our sins. Heal our lands. With one heart and one voice, we stand together in unity asking you, Almighty God, to protect our cities, our nations, and the world from COVID-19. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as the faces of just a few of the medical professionals connected to our church come across the screen, as we look into their eyes, we want to honor them and bless them in prayer. So Jesus, thank you for the men and women on the front lines fighting this pandemic and caring for people. Jesus, we declare that you are infinitely bigger than any disease or problem or catastrophe. We pray for the protective power of the Holy Spirit to surround each one of our friends working in hospitals and clinics and rehab facilities and offices and emergency rooms. Lord, be a shield about them. Send your angels to help and protect them. Keep them from getting this virus or any other sickness. And Lord, infuse them with your supernatural strength. Many of them are working long hours and double shifts and they're exhausted. Send power to their bodies right now in Jesus' name. Give them your wisdom. Help them know supernaturally who needs what and when they need it. And Jesus, we thank you that as they provide medical care, that you're sending supernatural healing through them. Use these women and men to free up airways. Use them to restore strength. Use them to strengthen hearts. Use them to make people whole, to strengthen them so that they can be discharged and sent back home. Let your miracle power flow through them. And so many times they're meeting with people who are stressed and worried themselves. Jesus, thank you that they are carriers of your peace. Release your peace through them into the people that they care for. Let them feel your comfort and your love. And the rest of us, we can only imagine the emotional toll this work has on our friends. Lord, send them the kind of peace that can only come from you, the kind of peace that is more than we can comprehend. Help them get the sleep and the rest that they need. And Lord, let all that pent-up stress they feel right now, let it evaporate and dissipate even as we pray. Let the calm and still of your presence overwhelm and, and just crush the stress and the pain of the day. Lord, thank you for not only protecting them, but their families as well. And so together in Jesus' name, we curse this virus. Knock down COVID-19, wipe it off the face of the earth. And as we pray, we ask that you would make it start to disappear all over the world. And Lord, we also ask that you would draw people to yourself like never before. Oh God, may this be the beginning of the next great awakening. Draw our world back to you. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are here with us. In the middle of this storm, we choose to live in your courage. We fix our eyes on you. We praise you for what you have done and what you have yet to do. To God be the glory in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Greg here. Welcome to Worship at Union Chapel. So glad you're here. 
We had a great Easter celebration last week. Wasn't it great? And thank you for joining us. And we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, now we're in a season of um, unusual times, unusual pressure points, different schedules and rhythms for all of us. And so the next few weeks, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the storms of life, being in the valley, being in the wilderness. I mean, we all feel that right now. We're all experiencing that in unusual ways. So today I want to talk about in the storm. Chosen as our text today from the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 27. I'm going to read for us verses 20 through 26. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Of course, we'll project the words. And this is a this is a, an actual storm that the Apostle Paul experienced. Verse 20, we pick up the story when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves in this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. May God inspire and encourage us through his word this morning. Thank you so much. Um, all of us are either coming out of a storm, we're in the middle of a storm, or we're facing a storm. In other words, life can be really difficult, as it is right now for most of us. That's uh, not particularly encouraging, but the times are what they are, and so we need to face into it. COVID-19 is a really big storm. It's a big storm. Sickness and death are being experienced by many people. Folks are grieving, they're fearful, confused. Lives have been lost, jobs have been lost, homes have been lost. And then there are other storms that are ongoing in our world. People are facing divorce or trying to deal with the storm of depression. There's a financial storm or there's a relational storm. A lot of people, uh, when it comes to God and their, their life of faith, their spiritual life, they, they often blame God for a storm or they'll question, where is God in the middle of a storm? Or why is God allowing this? I don't understand why God is causing us to go through this storm. Here's a key thought for today. I'm going to put this on the screen for you. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Now, in Acts chapter 27, we find the Apostle Paul on a ship in the Mediterranean this is, uh, this is an actual storm, and it's, it's very severe. It's massive, and it goes on for days and days. The crew so terrified, they start throwing uh, cargo overboard to lighten a load to increase their prospects of survival. And it says in verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. I wonder, I wonder how many of you could use that phrase for something you're going through right now. Many days, week after week. It won't stop. It won't let up. 
And here we are. The storm continued raging. Then they said, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Wow, pretty dramatic. Um, maybe, maybe you would say that there's uh, no way to recover this marriage, no way to get out of this financial debt, no way to face this cancer. I guess I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone. On and on, these storms come to our lives. We're failing to conceive a baby. How am I ever going to afford graduating from college? Today, uh, we say it this way. This coronavirus has permanently wrecked you fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. So many things. They gave up all hope. The storm continued to rage, and they were hopeless. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. <laughs> now, how many of you know that's probably not particularly helpful information at that point? Uh, but it does remind us that it's hard to resist the temptation when you're right to remind people, I told you so. And this is what Paul does. But it, but it does raise the question, why were they in the storm? Why were they in it? They were in the storm because of their own fault. They should have read the sign, signs of the weather. They should have listened to the apostle who had discernment about it. And yet the captain decided to go on and launch, launch out anyway. Um, people love to blame the devil, especially in Christian circles. That's the devil's fault for these things. But sometimes it's not the devil's fault. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes it's our own dumb fault. I don't know about you, but I have lots of stories about that. You know, you spent too much money. Uh, your emotions got the best of you, and you said something you shouldn't have said. You procrastinated. You kept putting an important task off. You know, you stayed up too late, eating pizza with your friends, didn't study for the final, and now you got to take that class over again. It's your own fault. These things happen. Uh, someone told you not to date that guy. You did it anyway. Your daddy said, don't date him. Your, your mama said, don't date him. Your best friend said, don't date him. Your pastor said, please, don't date him. Uh, you're at the restaurant, your fortune cookie said, don't date that guy. <laughs> but you did it anyway. Now you're dealing with the consequences. But because it's their own fault, I, I know about you, but it's easy for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm if it's his fault. If he's the one who put me in the storm, I have more confidence that he's the one who will get me out. But if it's my fault, I wonder how willing God's going to be to help me out of that trouble. How many of you have uh, ever been in a storm and it wasn't your fault? We're all in one right now. It's not our fault. COVID-19, not your fault. But here we are in the storm. Yeah. Maybe you were raised in a home and your parents divorced. And for a long time, you thought it was your fault. But now that you're older, you realize that wasn't your fault. Not at all. It wasn't your fault. Maybe the company you work for made a bunch of bad decisions, bad investments, bad decisions, bad choices. You were the consequence of the layoffs that happened. Maybe you trusted somebody. They gave you their word, but they betrayed you. And the relationship and the business circumstance was ruined because you trusted somebody, not your fault. The storm continued to rage 
And in our text today in Acts 27, it says they gave up all hope. Let me just remind you, the main thought today, never, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't do it. So here's the first point I want to make. I'll put it on the screen. Keep your courage. Keep your courage. Verse 22 says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. And I want to say that some of you need to hear this. Uh, you're, you're starting to lose your courage, lose your patience, lose your stamina. So keep your courage, keep your faith. I think the word that the apostle received in Acts 27 is a word that we can give to each other today. Listen, this storm isn't going to take you down. Now you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. Keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Then Paul says in verse 23, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, stood beside me. Now stop for a minute. If you're in the middle of a boat and an angel stands beside you, an angel of the Lord stands right there with you. You may not be aware, but there, there are angels that God has assigned to us. I believe there are angels in this room right here. I believe there are angels in the room where you are right now. There's a spiritual realm that is just as real, maybe more real than the physical realm in which we live. And angels are real. And God sends these ministering spirits to be with us. Imagine in the middle of your storm that the presence of God is with you. Yeah. We have no idea all the different ways that God allows himself to be with you. Maybe he'll send an angel to be close to you. Of course, he sent his Holy Spirit who is with us and in us. God is always there. He can be trusted. He's already lived and seen tomorrow. He's been there. He knows about your future. He knows everything about us, and he can be trusted. So he's directing your steps, even when we feel lost, feel confused, feel hopeless. Yeah. Paul says, an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle of the storm. Can I just remind you of the main point again today? Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Amen? Amen. He's with us. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to put this on the screen. Everybody else deserted me. No one stood by me, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Isn't that great? Look at Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Praise God. When you realize that God's with you, changes your posture, changes your attitude, changes your, your mood, changes your level of faith. When you know God's there, he's right with us, changes everything. Um, our youngest son, Isaac, when he uh, first went to middle school, sixth grade or seventh grade, I guess, um, he got bullied. And early the first semester of his seventh grade year, he came home and he had been tagged for tardiness. We said, what's going on? He said, well, there's a ninth grader who's bullying me and he's threatened to beat me up if I come down the hallway where he is before first period class. Now, my wife, Beth, took charge of the conversation at this point. This, this deeply uh, irritated her, not because her son was being bullied, but because her son was rerouting himself around that hallway every morning, which made him late for first period of class. And so she sternly said to Isaac, looked him in the eye and said, tomorrow morning you get off the bus, you walk right down that hallway 
that's been forbidden, and you make eye contact with that bully, eye to eye, she said, don't break eye contact with him. Walk right up to him, look him right in the eye and say, if you want to go, I'm right here right now. Isaac, you know, swallowed kind of hard. <laughs> and so well, what, if, what, if he, what if he tries to hit me? She said, never throw the first punch, son, but if someone throws a punch at you, so, if someone else starts it, you finish it. Just give it everything you've got. <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved the moment. Well, the next day, uh, we, Beth and I were both home when Isaac came home in the afternoon, got off the bus. He came bouncing in because we were curious what happened. And he came in and he was all strutting around, all full of himself. And did you do it? Did you walk up to that guy? Yeah, I did it. What did he do? He said, he didn't do anything. He just let me go. Interesting. There were other times, I actually observed this. Isaac, of course, had an older brother, Aaron, and Aaron's six years older than Isaac. And when Isaac was just a squirt, there'd be times when there'd be other guys around him, you know, on the playground or whatever who were intimidating him. It's what kids do sometimes. And I, I've observed this a couple of times, that Aaron would actually walk up behind Isaac. Now, Aaron's six years older, and, and frankly, he's a menacing physical presence just by himself. And so Isaac would not realize that his older brother was standing behind him at first. But when he became aware that his big brother was standing right over his shoulder, Isaac's demeanor changed completely. And he got very confident and very cocky uh, with people who were trying to intimidate him. And uh, I joke because Isaac became the mouth in a moment like that. And so would say things to guys they would, he would never say without his big brother behind him. <laughs> And because Aaron was the muscle in the moment. Yeah. So why did they experience, why did they experience um, some renewed hope? It's because they had heard from the apostle that God was with them, that they'd sent an angel. And it changed their demeanor. It changed their confidence. It changed their courage. And so when you realize and recognize in the presence of a storm that the Lord is right beside you, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. He cares for you. He, he will never abandon you. He is a faithful God and that he is right beside you. It will strengthen your life. It will strengthen your mind. It'll change the way you ride out the storm. Yeah. You know, Jesus was in a boat with the disciples one day. They're in, uh, uh, in, this, uh, in, in the Galilee Sea and, and Jesus is asleep in the boat and a storm comes up as is common on the, the Sea of Galilee. And it's a threatening storm, and it's the waves are starting to overwash the boat. And just like is our tendency when waves are, are overrunning our boat, the disciples freaked out. They freaked out. Jesus is asleep in the front of the boat. Finally, they wake him up. I mean, the storm doesn't wake him up. They wake him up, and they say they're freaked out. They said, don't, don't you care? Don't you know? Don't you realize, aren't you going to do something? Uh, you're going to let us perish. We're perishing here. Do something. And Jesus simply stands up and he calms the storm. Peace be still. And the winds stopped and the waves calmed. And those men experienced peace. Watch it. In the middle of a storm. Hmm. 
Why did they experience peace in the boat? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus was in the boat. How do you have peace in the middle of a storm? Just invite Jesus into the middle of the storm. Let me put this on the screen for you. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, that's it. Real peace isn't found in a trouble-free life. No, you'll never have a trouble-free life. Following Jesus doesn't mean that bad days won't happen. But Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Praise God. So real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Now that leads me to the second thing that we learn from this text, and that is God is not finished. God is not finished. Verse 23 of our text last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, you're not going to go down in this battle because God has more battles for you to fight. Now listen, someone within the sound of my voice needs to hear this message today. God is not finished with you. God has more people for you to love. God has more opportunities for you to serve. God has more blessings for you to experience. Now, the ship may go down. You may take some losses, mm -hmm. but this storm will not take you out. In fact, God will use what you learn in your storm to prepare you to help others through their storm. This is the redemptive process of God. This is what God does in our lives. He, he takes everything that happens to us and redeems it, causes all things to work together for good. Redemptive purposes. God never wastes our storms. I love this. There's purpose in the storm. Some of you have, have, have survived unfaithfulness in your marriage. You survived that. You can help someone else now survive that. Some of you have overcome financial hardship. Maybe you've even had to file bankruptcy. You've, you've gotten to the end of your finances and you survived. Now you can help and encourage someone else who may be struggling in their finances. Maybe you've overcome a certain bondage, an addiction of some sort, and, and you're an overcomer. Now you know people. God will bring people into your life, intentionally introduce you to people who struggle with the same kinds of problems, and you can help them out of their bondage. COVID-19 is a problem that all of us are facing together, of course. My wife, Beth, actually has for a number of weeks now said that she, she believes that, that COVID-19 is a great redemptive opportunity for God in the context of families. Here's what she says. Uh, she believes that most children will look back on this pandemic with relative fondness because of the warm memories they will have shared with their, with their family and their siblings. I think there's wisdom there. Spiritual growth is another issue. Beth talks about this. She believes that your faith, your trust, your ability to overcome hardships, your ability to overcome fear, your ability to deal with worry, your Christian character will have grown through this. Your Christian witness will have grown through this epidemic. 
because of the of the permission that this the sobriety and the seriousness of this pandemic has brought to everyone's mind and heart so that the opportunity to share the gospel with others has presented itself and we'll see the redemptive work of God through all of that there's there's also a global perspective maybe you haven't thought about this historically the most miserable times in the world also saw the greatest miracles now you won't hear this on the news and these pandemic days are no exception let me give you some examples the plague of the second century which killed off a quarter of the roman empire led to the spread of christianity and the reason it did so is because of the followers of jesus in the second centuries were caring for were on the front lines of the caregivers of those who were sick and they shared the hope of Christ. So the gospel actually advanced during that epidemic. During the third century plague of Cyprian, an Ebola-like illness triggered explosive growth of Christianity. You haven't heard that on the news, have you? In the fourth century, during a horrible plague, historian Pontianus recounts how Christians ensured, quote, that good was done to all men, not merely to the household of faith. In other words, Christians stepped out of the safety zones to care for those around them, after which scores of people came to faith. In 1527, Martin Luther, uh, the one God used to start the Protestant Reformation, had developed a great following, 1527, refused to flee the city of Wittenberg as the bubonic plague took men, women, and children from nearly every family. Everyone's heard of the bubonic plague. Rather, he stayed in Wittenberg, Germany, and ministered to the sick. He lost his own daughter in the process. But the, but the historians record, following this frightening time of great loss, the Protestant Reformation grew like never before. Despite the, despite the hardships and the struggle. Hmm. In 1889, 1890, the Asiatic or Russian flu pandemic killed approximately 1 million people worldwide. On the heels of sadness and grieving, there was another unstoppable outbreak, a global revival, a global revival from east to west, Asia to Europe, Africa, the Americas, God's revival covered the globe. Amazing. We're already getting feedback from people all over the world, Christian leaders from around the world, churches, other Christian groups, organizations who have been doing nothing except online activities. And we're hearing reports. We have it here at Union Chapel. We know that more people have been tuning in, listening to our services than would be attending if we had on-campus services. More people are being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ right now than any time in recorded history. Glory to God. That is an amazing redemptive effect in the midst of a storm. Wow. So God is not finished. He's not finished. Um, we don't always know when you're in the storm what's going to happen on the other end of the storm. And we might say, ooh, wouldn't want to go through that again. That was pretty rough. I don't, don't like it. But we would never, ever trade it for the intimacy, the spiritual depth, the character, the trust, the faith in God, and the impact of the gospel in the world that is a result of being in the storm. Amen. It's good for us to get perspective on that. Last point, have faith. 
Have faith in God. Have faith. Verse 25, so keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Now, remember, my faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says. I have faith in God that he has promised and he will perform his promises. What God has said can be trusted. What God has said can be believed. What God has said can be embraced. I have faith in my God that it will happen. He will see us through. He will deliver us. He will provide for us. He will heal us. He will heal our world. Yes, he will. And we will experience his peace even in the midst of this storm. Have faith in God that it will happen. Here's the bottom line. You can't control what the storm blows up. Can't control it. You can't control how severe the storm is. You can't control how long the storm is going to last. But you can control what you believe, and you can control where you put your faith. You can do it. My faith is the one who created the wind and the waves. My faith is in God. My faith is in the one who has said it and will cause it to come to pass. What he says will happen. Who is this God? Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. Check it out. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, do not fear. He is our shelter. He is our hiding place. He is our safety. He is our strength. Why? Why? Because he is with us. He is the one who promised to never leave us, nor forsake us. If I lose my job, if I have a relationship that falls apart, if the economy gets shaky, I still will not be afraid. Why? Because he is with me. He will never leave me. He will never abandon me because he is what I need. He is my safety. He is my strength. He is my comforter. He is my source. He is my redeemer. He is my righteousness. He is my friend. He is the one who sticks closer than a brother. He is a rock because he is the living bread. He's the bread of life because he is the living water. He satisfies my soul. He is the gate through which I enter. He is the guide who directs my, my feet. He is my comforter who ministers to me in time of need. He is my peace in the midst of a storm. Peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. He's with me. And that's why you never let the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Amen. Let's pause and pray. So Father, we pray in the name of your risen son, Jesus, that you would do in the lives of those who are hurting today what only you can do, we pray for someone who's in a storm right now, who needs the presence and peace of Jesus. If you're in that place right now, this, this storm that we're all in together, maybe it's, it's taking you right to the edge. Lord, I pray today, as there are so many that are hurting, I pray, God, that we would be sensitive as your church to reach out, care for others minister to them, to even represent your love to them. God, I ask that we, they would feel your love through your family, sense your presence in more ways than they could ever imagine. Perhaps even an angel of the Lord may be comforting them right now.
that your Holy Spirit is dwelling within them, that your living word is soothing their souls and renewing their minds. God, that you're already in tomorrow, that you're working in all things, even things that we wish were never happening. You're still working in those things to bring about good. So God, to those who love you and are called according to your purpose, we now commit our lives afresh into your care, your redemptive work. As we cast our cares upon you because you care for us, we thank you that your grace, your mercy, your presence will guard our hearts, our minds, and our souls in Christ Jesus. And that you would give us a supernatural peace that this world knows nothing about because you dwell within those who know you. Give us peace, God, in the midst of the storm. Now, one more thing. Perhaps you're tuning in today and you realize your own sin is caught, caught up with you. And you're in the storm because of what you did. The good news is that God loves you more than you can imagine. And you can receive his forgiveness, his mercy, and his hope. You can pray these, these words right after me. God will hear you. God never turns a deaf ear to these prayers. So pray it right after me, even in, in your heart or maybe even out loud. Heavenly Father, I trust you to save me, to forgive me of all my sins and make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can live for you and follow you every day of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said,
together. We're gonna make it. Have faith in God. Be of good courage. Receive his blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Be at peace, friends, today. The days to come, forevermore at peace. In Jesus' name, amen.